The New Testament was written in an honor-shame culture, where Jesus and his contemporaries' honor and shame were a kind of social capital to be exchanged. To be honored was to have your self-worth affirmed by the people around you, and to be shamed was to have your self-worth rejected by the people around you. In honor-shame cultures, honor is often viewed as a finite resource. So for someone to be more honored, someone else has to be less honored. And when you get that honor-shame dynamic in your head, many of the stories in the Gospels that seem strange at first glance start to make a little bit more sense. When the disciples argue over who is the greatest, they're arguing over who is the most honorable. What is the ranking? Who is number one? And who is number 12? Presumably Judas is number 12. So who is number 11 in the ranking? Or think about the scene early in Mark's gospel where Jesus' family hears that he's teaching and healing. And you would think that they're excited by this new mission he's doing. But instead they go out and they try to stop him. Because they're worried he's going to bring shame to their family. He's going to give them a bad reputation. You don't have to squint very hard to make out some of these dynamics in our own culture. We present ourselves a certain way to get the approval of others. We worry about maintaining our reputation. We acquire social capital and then cash it in to get what we want. We don't live in an honor-shame culture, but we spend an awful lot of time seeking honor and avoiding shame. Those dynamics are right at the forefront of today's gospel reading. Jesus is eating at a Pharisee's house on the Sabbath, and when the time comes for everyone to sit down and eat, Luke says that Jesus noticed how the guests chose their places of honor. It's like a game of musical chairs. Who is number three? Am I number five or am I number seven? Who is up and who's down this week? And so while all these people are arguing, trying to negotiate the proper order, Jesus offers a kind of etiquette life hack. Why don't you start out low, Jesus suggests, and then move up higher? Instead of worrying about placing yourself too high, just place yourself too low and let the host invite you up. Not only do you not have to worry about being sent down, but then everybody in the room gets to watch you move up. This is probably good advice, but let's be honest, it's also a little bit weird coming from Jesus. We're used to Jesus healing people from their illnesses and teaching them about the kingdom of God. And instead, Jesus is here doling out advice on seating arrangements like a first century Palestinian Emily Post. But what Jesus is doing is offering a kind of setup to the big punchline. He's trying to get the Pharisees to reveal how much they care about getting honor. Because the first rule about getting honor is that you have to pretend you actually don't care about getting honor at all. You have to look like you're not trying to get status. Don't tell people you went to Harvard. Tell them that you went to school in Boston. Or just a couple months ago, someone mentioned to me that they were moving out of their ranch in Wyckoff to downsize to a condo on Central Park West. <laughs> but now these Pharisees have revealed that they actually do care about getting honor. They're obsessed with getting honor. And so you can imagine them leaning in to hear when Jesus says he has an even better tip. If you really want to be honored, Jesus says, stop inviting your friends over. 
It looks like Jesus is endorsing this whole honor-shame arms race, giving the Pharisees some advice on how to get ahead. But it turns out he's saying the exact opposite. He's saying this whole system, this whole impulse is wrong-headed. Because when you give to your friends, all you want is their affirmation. All you want is for them to confer honor back onto you. You're not really giving so much as you're exchanging. The Pharisees and many of us envision a world in which honor and shame form a hierarchy, with some people at the top and some people at the bottom. And if that's true, then the purpose of life is to get on top and stay there as long as you can. But if you want to find honor, Jesus says, give a banquet to the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Invite the people who have nothing to offer you in return. In other words, identify yourself with people in need, and here's the most important part, encounter all of God's people as equals. Jesus replaces a system of hierarchy with an ethic of hospitality. Instead of striving to take down the people above us and maintain the status quo for the people below us, Jesus empowers us to give to others and receive from them as equals. Hospitality is all about equality. It's about welcoming the person who seems to have a lot to offer you the same way you welcome someone who seems to have nothing to offer you at all. Now, when we think about hospitality, we typically think of it as being a host. And we are great at being hosts. We love being hosts. We love to bring people into our space and make them feel comfortable and valued and cared for. We love to tell them about our traditions and teach them about our practices, introduce them to our community. But there's a whole second part of hospitality that we often forget about, and that's being a guest. And being a guest is way more difficult than being a host. In fact, most of us really don't like being guests all that much. Because being a guest means you have to give up control. It means you don't always know what's going on or what's going to happen next. It's not a coincidence to me that when we have interfaith or ecumenical events here at Advent, people love it. But when we go to someone else's house of worship, suddenly my inbox gets flooded with questions. How long is the service? Am I going to have to sing? Is it wrong if I pray with them? Is it wrong if I don't pray with them? That's perfectly normal, and frankly, I'd be worried if you didn't do that. But why do we feel that way? It's because when we go into someone else's space, we have to give up some of our control, some of our power over to them, and trust that they're going to take care of us. Just as an aside to this, every once in a while, some Sunday morning, instead of getting ready to go to church and coming to Advent, you should go to a church you haven't been to before and where you don't know anyone. Weddings and funerals don't count. And you should go to Mass, go to coffee hour, go to the adult forum, do the whole thing. Have the experience of being a, a guest in a community where you don't know the norms, you don't know the rules, you don't know the practices, you don't know where the bathroom is. Practice being a guest. Practice receiving hospitality. Because when we act only as hosts, when we act only as givers, we assume, like the Pharisees in today's story, that there are some people who have nothing to offer us. We assume that we are the sole stewards of God's gifts, 
and that our job is to dispense them out to the, wor to the world for people who have nothing to give us in return. It's a very presumptuous position to take, but so often it's the one we default back to. But when we take on the role of guest, we allow other people to give of themselves, allowing someone to teach us about their traditions, their practices, and their stories can be a real gift. One of the most important things we have to give others, especially from communities different than ours, is our attention. It's our interest. It's encountering other people not as threats or consumers or resources, but as equals. One of the most important ways we can honor other people is not by giving them stuff over and over again, but by allowing them to give to us. To say to them, your story, your experiences, your life is of interest to me, it's of interest to the church, and it's of interest to God. All of which brings us back to the banquet in today's story. When we gather around this table, God's banquet every week, Christ is the host. It's Christ who feeds us with words of grace and truth. It's Christ who sets a table where there is no hierarchy, a table where no one is closer to the head of the table, a table where, as our hymn of the day puts it, the harvest will not be hoarded so that no one will lack for food. But Christ is also the guest at this table. When Christ says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, he promises that he will be present there among them. When we say that Christ is present in the sacrament, we don't just mean in the elements. We mean in the people who gather here. That Christ is present among the strangers, those who are forgotten, and those we falsely believe have nothing to offer us. For by suffering the shame that we put on one another, Christ brings honor to all of God's people. And by becoming an unwelcome guest, Christ makes us generous hosts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Join the church around the world confessing our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> 